my name is Rob Cutforth, and uh, this really is the end of all things, isn't it? Uh, have you had a good week? Uh, been watching the news, have you? Seeing anything interesting coming up? Maybe uh, something of note? Something perhaps different from previous weeks? I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. Uh, and I've got a few tweets, and I, uh, listen, you know what's going to happen in this intro. It's, I don't like to make this political, because I can't hardly listen to myself when I do. Uh, I just think, who is that whingy asshole when I listen to myself back? But how can you not? It's just, it's just nuts what's happening right now, and I, like I say, I don't like it. Do you? I don't know. I can't. Is there anybody that listens to this that thinks, yeah, everything's going to be fine? Other than perhaps Simon Savage himself, who I interview, who's largely optimistic about things in a great, lovely way. <laughs> that sounds like a diss. It's not. Um, if you are here, if you this is if this is the first time you've come to this podcast, and you're here simply to listen to the lovely Simon Savage talk about books and his podcast and stuff and the literature scene in general uh, instead of, you know, some whingy Canadian expat, then you might want to skip ahead. And I'm going to, I'll edit in just now what time to skip ahead to. And then you can, I mean, you probably, if you listen to Simon or watch his vlog, you're probably quite a nice person. You're, you know, quite a positive, probably young person who you know, might have, don't, maybe you don't want to hear more about Trump. It is, it's been, how many days has it been? It feels like uh, a century, but it's been about three or four days. So you might be tired of just, you know, this whole Trump meltdown thing. You don't want to hear anymore. And I don't blame you, frankly, but I can't help myself. It's going to happen. So fast forward to 1258. And uh, I will... Try not to be too rude in my intro if you decide to listen to it. Um, Simon said, uh, I did warn people about this on Twitter, and he said that if this intro was too depressing, he'd probably edit me out of his upcoming vlog, which I think he's kidding. (laughs) I hope so, because he's, that would really help me out, because he's almost famous, I think. Is that fair to say? I think that would embarrass him to say that. But anyway, go ahead. And like I said, okay, right. Let's just get into it, right? I, I don't want to start with Trump because there's two things that happened in the last couple of weeks. And they both need to be talked about because the first has largely been forgotten. And that is the whole high court decision to allow a vote on triggering Article 50 in Parliament. It was the first great piece of news I think I've seen in uh, as long as I can remember. When's the last good piece of news that we've had? Anything? Um, And I thought, fantastic. There's a light here. Most of the MPs voted to stay to remain in the EU. So this is gonna, this is great. It's it's not gonna get past the the MPs now because they'll just vote the same way they did in in the, the first time around. Wrong. Virtually everybody, all the MPs are on both sides who voted Remain are 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 now saying they'll vote. They won't stop it. Even Labour MPs, including Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, it's really, really making it difficult to like you, man. Um, I really want to like this Jeremy Corbyn fella, but bloody hell, you know, the day that Trump gets elected, he tweets about gardening, and now he's tweeting that he won't block Brexit. Even Owen Smith came out and said he'd vote against triggering Article 50. You know, where was that before the leadership election? Why wouldn't he, why didn't you say which way you would have voted if the high court ruling was successful before the leadership contest? And we could have voted you in, pal, if we knew you were anti-Article 50. But now I just wait until afterwards, now that it doesn't matter and, you know, your name is being taken out of the papers. You're like, oh, remember me? Opportunistic little shit. <laughs> the whole Brexit thing, the uh, the new 
whatever you want to call it, this article that went to the high court. I'm not from the UK. I don't know what they're called. Uh, law? No. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was brought to the high court by a banker. So if this does get voted down, if triggering Article 50 does eventually get voted down, it will be because of a banker and the House of Lords. We might be safe from Brexit by someone who took down the economy, helped take down the economy, and by a group of unelected toffs rather than our elected officials. Our possible salvation lies with these people. I do not understand the world in which we live. I don't know about you, but I am so sick of this whole let's let people vote on things thing. You know, democracy is nonsense. Uh, let's just appoint Angela Merkel queen of the world and be done with it. Let her clean up our mess. Certainly isn't going to come from the people running this country. The day after Trump is elected, Boris Johnson and Theresa May and Ashcroft all kind of climbing over each other to see who could get to get their lips on his ass first. Only Angela Merkel came out and said, yeah, yeah, you know, stop saying racist and misogynistic things and perhaps we'll talk to you. Don't and we won't. You know, she speaks like a proper leader. Have, okay, right, and Angela Merkel as queen of the world and Nicola Sturgeon as vice queen. And then just for life, for life, we can't, we, I don't want to see another vote in my lifetime. I don't even care if, I, I, and I know I'm saying, let's make a German queen of the world and just leave it that way, but it can't be worse than elect what we've done, can it? I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, Oh, man, I just don't know what to think about this guy. He's made some positively, you know, kind of wary noises about Trump, especially in regard to the obviously toxic words about Mexicans living in the U.S. But this whole thing about him saying, oh, you know, Trump's election is yet another example of voters being left behind by their economic system. No, it's not. The people that voted for Trump were middle-class white people, Oh, but we need to uh, try to understand the problem. Why reason with the disenfranchised Trumpites? Why? Why would they do this to themselves? Let's, let's figure it out and try to relate to them. Forget, let's forget that Trump is supported by the Ku Klux Klan and, you know, that he advocates sexual assault and that he's in the midst of being sued for fraud. The man doesn't pay his taxes. Oh, you know, wants to ban Muslims from coming into the country. You know, just these poor people who feel so disenfranchised and uh, just want to vote for some guy who, you know, he's just like a regular guy. Regular orange-faced oligarch who, you know, how they, he convinced people that he wasn't part of the elite. I don't know. God, how does that, I don't even understand. We just don't understand these hard-done-by people who voted for him. It's, they're clearly, we're clearly out of touch, and we need to relate to them. We need to unite now. Fuck that. You poor, poor baby boomers. You've had it so rough lately, haven't you? You know, oh, a brown guy moved next door to me, and his English isn't the best. Life is just the pits, isn't it? Remember the good old days when you could just drive your Reliant K car to Kmart. That's two Ks. I should have picked another another car that didn't have a K in it. Your uh, Buick LeSabre. That's probably the second most redneck car I can think of. To Kmart. And I know you're from the UK and you don't care anyway. So what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> when you could have, oh, I don't know, sex with your cousin whenever you wanted. Those good old days. You know, see some girl you like, just grab her by the pussy. You know, the good old days. Before the goddamn hibbity hop coming in with a goddamn PA system at Walmart. Just want to buy a goddamn pillow top in peace. Goddamn boomers, we just never get a fair shake. Nobody listens to us anymore. It's not like you don't already own the fucking world. Like, what don't you control? Let's make America great again. <laughs> Oh, God. 
The only silver lining I can think of in this whole debacle is that you morons have voted away the paltry bit of healthcare that you were getting. Uh, so hopefully, now that you don't have access to your drugs and stuff, boomers will fucking die already. I am so sick of baby boomers. I'm done with them. I'm done with you. I know, that's a bit much. Wishing death on people. I don't... Do I actually mean that? I probably do, but I should probably pretend that I don't so that I don't get into some sort of trouble. Uh, the other silver lining, I suppose, is that post-apocalyptic fiction might finally come back in fashion. So, this, if anything, it's given me a kick up the backside to finish this book. And you know what? I know, I, I know exactly what I just did. I'm using this terrible situation to uh, produce some interest in my book. And, you know, that's what, the, that's what we do in the world now. Everything is an opportunity. If someone dies, let's, let's, uh, let's turn it into some kind of way to sell cars. I don't know. The most upsetting thing, I think, about this whole thing, this, well, not even upsetting, just mind-boggling thing, is that we're not now staring oblivion in the face because all the hicks came out to vote. The hicks always come out to vote. But the thing is, right, if you look at the number of votes that each candidate got, Trump got very slightly more than Mitt Romney. And Romney was battered by Obama. So, whereas Hillary got way fewer votes in this election than Obama did. I think it was about half. If I might be making that up. Look it up. Anyway, it's huge, hugely less, fewer, it's fewer um, votes than Obama got. And uh, that's because all the Bernie supporters were so pissed off they didn't vote. So I hope you Bernie crybabies are happy now. I'm sure Trump will do a much better job fighting for social justice and the welfare state than Hillary will. The fucking angry tangerine has his finger on the button, man. Nice work, dipshits. I'm going to stop now. That, uh, I think, is more than enough and probably worse than I'd hoped. I wonder how much of that I'll edit out. Probably a fair amount. So I, I need to just say again, you know, this Simon probably... I, I have no idea what his politics are. I'm pretty sure they're in line with mine. But anyway, I talked to him today. Uh, he's a book blogger. He's a podcaster. He's a vlogger with a V. And like I mentioned, he's my bizarro... Did I mention that? I can't remember. He's my bizarro twin. And if you don't know what bizarro is, you did not read enough comic books growing up. Uh, basically, he's a polar opposite of me I, in a really strange way. Obviously, we mostly talk about books because that's his thing and, well, it's, it's my thing as well, but I, he, it's very, very much his thing. Uh, I talk about Liverpool because that's where he lives. Of course, he, I mean, he's my bizarro twin, so if I live in Manchester, he clearly lives in Liverpool. That's the rules. Uh, we talk about his life largely and uh, being on the cusp of being a YouTube sensation. I am way too old to even say that word, but uh, <laughs> say that phrase. Uh, like, I know what I'm talking about. He talks about his seriously popular literature podcast and how many listeners it gets, which is a bit hurtful, to be honest. I'd forgotten, actually, until I just listened to the interview back now, just how much we, we talk about the U.S. And uh, I, for one, give it quite a good kicking. Uh, especially, weirdly, San Francisco. I go on some strange rant about San Francisco. I tell you what, San Francisco, I changed my mind now uh, because California was very much anti-Trump. But I, I remember thinking I should edit it out. But you know what? It's still part of America, and they can eat it this week, frankly. Um, Simon, by the way, obviously, because he's my bizarro twin, he loves America. And... I do, so I do, well, he mentions America quite a bit, and he talks about the places he likes, and uh, he thinks that he should live there. Keep in mind, I need to mention this again, this was recorded before Trump became president, so whether he still feels that way, I'm not sure. But like I say, because he's such a lovely dude, he's probably already forgiven the dummies, so 
he probably will still live there. Uh, he's definitely a better man than I, and his podcast and vlog are great. So go listen to it after you listen to this, of course. This conversation is seriously fun, and there's not, I don't, there's no one on, certainly not in the UK, who knows more about books, and probably no one on the planet knows more about books than him. He gives some great recommendations, and we talk about books in general. We actually talk about his, uh, some of his kind of surreal interactions with writers. Um, yeah, it's a little fun. I'm pretty sure that that comment about him knowing more about books than anyone on the planet properly embarrassed him, but you, hey, what can I say? I am one for hyperbole, clearly. Uh, here he is now. Listen. I see you've got this funky thing. I don't want mine on Skype or... Well, yeah, Skype or on my phone, actually. Yeah. Do you find that the sound quality is okay on your phone? Yeah. Sound really? quality is fine if I'm... Yeah, because if I do it on a phone, I do it on voice memo, which I yeah. just have in between me and the author. Yep. Um, and I find that quite easy. And yeah. I do YouTube and everything on my phone. Do you? Yeah. Wow, that's quite good quality, actually. Yeah. Good phone, though. Um, I was going to ask you a question. It was going to be some boring techie one that just, you just stimulated in my brain, but I don't remember what it was now. Oh. Because I was just like, shit, that's, that's, that's something I wanted to know. Because I love the boring techie question. Do you? I've got some. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be interesting because I'm probably one of the most least technological people yeah. ever to grace many different <laughs> social platforms. Yeah, well, you've done all right. I've done all right. <laughs> you want to do better. <laughs> I always want to do better. Everyone always yeah. wants to do better. But also, I think, as well, you can't be like I think there's a big thing at the moment about how you have to be aware of how many followers you've got mm -hmm. or what audience you've got or anything like that and I don't pay any attention to that mm. really. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed. Really? Yeah. I'm really obsessed. And when I see someone else's uh podcast doing marginally better than mine, I'm like Fuck! Why is, it, why is that so good? <laughs> see, I, it's, there is a little bit of that. There's part of me that, that thinks that when I see one that's like uh, gets thousands of listeners, I won't tell you about the readers then. Oh God, how many? Uh, we are now over a million downloads, and we get I think twenty thousand an you. episode. Really? Mm. Which? Uh, what's the readers one? Is that the vintage so, books one? No, that's that's one that I joined just with um, Will for oh, yeah. kind of not a one-off. Maybe we might do some more stuff. But um, yeah. the readers, it's own podcast, uh, bookbasedbanter.co.uk. Good promotion. I might not put that in. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any more listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, and so, yeah. So that's its own separate, and that's just me and my friend Thomas mm -hmm. in Washington talking about books every other week. Right. Um, and we've been doing. Well, I was doing it with Gavin originally, and then Gavin left. Because uh, he got a little bit starstruck by the listeners, I think is how it would, how he would put it, and also yeah. a bit busy. And so yeah, so Thomas came in, and I've been out into America and all sorts to go meet the listeners, and yeah. it's been really nice. How any uh, freaky crazy fans? No, all lovely. The bit that's crazy and freaky is not them; it's you. When the fact that you, they'll come up to you and say something, yeah. and you go, "Well, how did you know that?" Yeah. They'll be like, well, listen, every fortnight. And yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. And you forget, so you completely forget that somebody uh, somebody's listening to you that regularly. Yeah. Um, and then they'll ask you questions or whatever, and you'll just be like, honestly, really? Where? Where do you know all this stuff from? Yeah. And then also people turning up um, and getting copies of Rebecca signed. But I don't like, I don't think that's freaking crazy. I love that. Getting what signed? My favourite book is Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Oh, see, you've already done another... <laughs> oh, sorry. You skipped ahead. That's fine. Go sorry, on. Sorry, I've, I've gone, off the, gone off the track. That's quite all right. Um... Yeah, so they'll come up to events and stuff and get me to sign that. That's get my favourite thing. They'll yeah. get you to sign yeah. somebody else's book. Yeah, but it's because it's more she can't do. She's dead, bless her. Oh, yeah, see, I didn't even know that. Sorry, Daffers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is it? Why is that your favourite book? Gothic, creepy, mm -hmm. psychological, dark, bit nasty. Mm. I was uh, watching, I can't remember which, I think your autumn book. What, oh, what's it called? Book Club. Autumn Book Hall? Yeah, Autumn Book yeah. Hall. No, yeah. Autumn uh, Book Tag. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something about uh, the... My brain is not working today. E.R. Forster thing that you read in school. Oh, yeah. And half of me wanted to go and read it and make you talk about it, just because... <laughs> well, I can I, um, I can talk about certain sections because <laughs> we had to read them over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I, hated, I hated books at school. Books. Yeah. 
school kill books for me completely. Yeah. I I don't know if it's different in Canada or what, but we read quite good books. Like we read Lord of the Flies in school. I think it's how you. Are you talking taught. high school? Are you talking university? Yeah. No, okay, I'm talking right. high school. I didn't do uni. Yeah. But I'm talking high school. I we were taught rigidly the same chapters over and over and over again, and then yeah. sometimes we were taught only the sections that we needed for the exam. Mm -hmm. So you never really got a full book. Yeah. And then when you did get a full book, you had to read it to everybody else's pace or X amount of chapters by X day. Or and I hated that. Mm. I hated it. Yeah, that's that sounds really shit. Yeah, and Ian Forster's book, bless him, um, a room with a view. Yeah. It's just it's it's just not exciting. No. I don't think it's that. W that was actually funnily enough. That was when I started doing my A levels, and I dropped out of A levels much to mm -hmm. my mother's horror. Um, and I think. Ian Forster might be slightly responsible for that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I will try him again. Yeah. I think is I think do you not find that the books that you read at certain ages are really it, when you read a book is really important. Yes. Uh well, I don't know. Do you know what? Because I never reread books. I've never had anything to compare it to. I've never as an adult read Lord of the Flies. But do you know I remember reading it as a kid and having my mind blown. Well, there are certain books though that do you not think, "Oh, I wish I read that at that point in my life." Or you think about a book from your past and think, oh, I wish I'd read that now. Yeah. More from it. Uh, no, I've never thought that. Actually. Really? No. That's funny. I'm, I, that's funny. I've never thought about that. But oh, I totally think about that. All the, like, whenever I read a book, I'm like, oh, I should have read that at a different point. Or, oh, right, no. or there are some books where you're like, bang, that was right on the money for what I needed to read then. Why? Because the characters are all the same age. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know when you just, certain books get you at a certain point emotionally yeah. or... So when know. you were broken as a youngster, you, were, you wish you'd read... Something really uplifting, or also <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd had. I wish I'd had some of Juno Dawson's books. Mm. Or I wish I'd had. I think now there's a really interesting movement in of LGBT books in mm -hmm. the young adult market. Yeah, and I wish that I'd been there when I was a kid because there yeah. just wasn't. I, th I I think Andrew McMillan um, said something similar to that in my. He he zeroed in on one book and I, it escaped me. But I, th I think um, with a, a lot of uh, well, the gay most of the gay writers that I, they, they zero in on one book. I know Garth Greenwell zeroes in on. See, my brain, is, I've got his <laughs> questions right there. I should bring them out. Um, maybe I'll ask you a Garth Greenwell question. <laughs> yeah, speak Garth Greenwell question. Yeah, know. but it, it seemed like there, there, there just wasn't unless you went to some bookshop that was like a, a gay bookshop. I think you had um, Edmund White's A Boy's Own Story. Mm -hmm. Which Giovanni's Room. That's the one I was. Yeah, thinking and of. I read that, and I didn't like that. Actually, that's uh, another book I read at the wrong time. Right. I think if I read it now, I'd probably appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I read it on, funnily enough, a holiday in Paris, and I didn't gel with it right. much. But I also had Armistead Morpan, who I think probably saved me in a lot of ways mm. with Tales of the City. Yeah. Those those books are so brilliant, and they make everyone. It doesn't matter what you know what letter of the alphabet you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes everybody feel included. Yeah. So, but I've still never been to San Francisco. As a kid, I was like, I will go there and I will meet these people. But yeah. now I'm like, no, I just want to keep Do it in know my what? memory. I was. We went to San Francisco. I hated it. Really? I thought, and I thought the Castro was really dull as well. I thought Calgary, my hometown, had a better gay area. Not that I'm like I'm some kind of uh, connoisseur, <laughs> but I was just like, we, you, we go every place you go to in San Francisco, and I think it's probably the same everywhere in the states. You just get ID'd everywhere, no matter mm -hmm. how old you are. Like I'd get ID'd now. now. And just a real bummer. Like, you just think, you think, oh, you know, this is the Castro, this is where it all happened, and it was, yeah. you know, an amazing place, and, you know, all the Harvey Milk stuff, and it just didn't seem to be any of that stuff happening. Unless, maybe if you're there during Pride, it'd be a different Yeah, I think, I think ball I'm of happy wax. to leave San Francisco as my fictional imagination. I know it's changed I think you a should. lot since. Genuinely, I think you should, because every, everything, I had it, it was so high on, sorry to interrupt you, but it was so high on my list. It's, a, it's the one place that I've been the most disappointed with. Because everything that you hear about, uh, how amazing it is, yeah. is rubbish. Like the, the cable cars, they're all gone. There's one left for <laughs> the tourists. I say they're all rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Hate Nashbury, you know, where the hippie movement was, uh, yeah. where Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin is now like a strip mall. Like Lombard Street, the bendiest street in the world is, I'm, I've gone off one, I don't, this, I don't know why I've done this, but is crap. Like, and Fisherman's Wharf. What a fucking hellhole that no, is. See, I don't, and none of those, um, I, don't, I don't know, I think I need to leave it. And also I know that now with the Google generation and everything that's going on over there, mm. 
and Twitter and all that, which obviously are all things that I love, but yeah. I think that's changed the dynamic of the whole city. Could be. It, 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 I just re- suddenly realized it's been about 15 years since I've been well, there. Well, there was a TV show called Looking that was on that was set in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which was featured all around four gay friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, I'm not bothered. Yeah. I've watched it on the telly now. Yeah. I'd rather leave it with Armistead Morpan's vision of it. But yeah. that said, if Armistead invited me around for a holiday, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'll yeah. Go, I'll go and check it out yeah. if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed. Well, I'm all, I'm often disappointed with the states, and that might be come right, like a Canadian bias as well. Honestly, I love I, New York. I, I love think the North. I should live in America. Do you? Yeah, if I could live in any other country, I would choose America, hands down. But I think I'd live somewhere like either New York, yeah, or Asheville, in North uh, Carolina. Yeah, I love Asheville. really. Mm. Wow, one of the best times in Asheville. That's unbelievable because like the, everything you hear about North Carolina is bad. Well, this town was really arty very antiques, arts, crafts, mm. just a really welcoming, nice, friendly town, so I'd like to live there. I think Washington's brilliant. Washington State or D.C.? D.C. Yeah, Washington yeah, State's terrible. Washington's brilliant. Um, went to Buffalo, that was in- interesting. You it's liked Buffalo? No, I didn't like okay. it. I went there, right. but I, I didn't love it. Yeah. I was intrigued by it, but it feels, that's the bit that's sad about America. There's a lot of places that feel like they've had their heyday and they yeah. can't quite recover. Like, I went to Detroit, mm-hmm. which, again, amazing, could yeah. be... They could bring that back in a in quite a way, but mm-hmm. I do. I love America. Do you know what uh, city is very good for one that's kind of had its day, but is still probably more amazing now than it used to be? I can't Manchester. Even, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I think this is the Manchester of the United States. It's Seattle. I Seattle's Seattle. oh, it's brilliant. No, it's Seattle's great. So it's I mean it is run down, but it's it's I mean it is. It's the Manchester of the United States. I, I don't even have to say anymore. It's exactly really want to go to Chicago. Yeah, me too. That's my dream. At the moment, that's like my number one. Yeah. Go anywhere, go to Chicago. I'd also like to go back to Florida because I went when I was about 10. And yeah. I loved it, but I'd like to go back as an adult just to go and see Harry Potter World. Oh, God, see, this is where you and I <laughs> are different. I'm going to see the Harry Potter World in uh, <laughs> Watford in a few weeks. I'm very excited. That is that is the most depressing thing I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Harry Potter World in Watford. Yeah, <laughs> it's where the magic's at. <laughs> God. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, but that's you know I can't be. It's quite funny though because when I said to somebody that I was really excited about, they were like, "But you like literature," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. I know." <laughs> I also like Harry Potter, which is literature. Yeah, it is. But I think it's interesting. Just that, about. That, no, I think it definitely is. I think mm. anything that makes kids read that much, and I'm really excited about Fantastic yeah. Beasts and where to find them because it's all filmed in Liverpool, which of course is now my hometown. So. Yeah. So you're not in the whirl anymore, then? No. Well, no, no, I am in the Wirral. But that's still... But I, is that but I, I don't classify know how Liverpool as my home city because right. the Wirral's more several towns that are all kind of... But I don't really live yeah. in the towns. I live sort of in a slightly... Um, how can I put it? I live in a little Victorian pocket on the Wirral. Right. Or I do, I do now. I moved, yeah. only moved in on Friday, so I don't really use it. That could mean one of two things. It could mean slum. Or it could mean really trendy. Oh no, it's upscale. really nice. So it's it's yeah. one of the um, last built Victorian villa estates when the area was flooded with money. Yeah. Before the war, and amazingly, somehow it missed most of the bombing. So it's these yeah. double-fronted Victorian villas. Oh wow! That can't be touched. That go on a hill, and they all have yeah. bank. Well, they're just about to be listed, and the attic conversion has been done. So. That's quite um, quite lucky. I've bought it before, <laughs> before the listing came in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've got that's kind of this little pocket, and mm-hmm. it's really nice. But it's a little, it's almost slightly scarily twee. So yeah. all the neighbours are really friendly, which right. instantly makes me suspicious. It is. They're friendly on the first day until you leave your bins, bins out for a day too long. Or an they've, hour told, too. they've told me what day I have to leave yeah. and all that, and that's fine. You know what? They, they're so passive aggressive that because that's my streets like that, and they tell you, oh, don't worry, you know. <laughs> We're, we'll see you or whatever and then you know they just you see them at their window staring at your bins because mm. you know they don't it seems quite well they've got things like there's a um, best kept garden award oh yeah year. you were in trouble my and friend best hanging baskets yeah. but what I did like is the neighbours came round with tea coffee sugar and a massive bottle of gin and wow. so that's all that you need tell you what maybe that yours is different yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's hope there is I, hope my wife and I are by about 40 years the youngest people, uh, no, not 40 years, <laughs> far less than that, um, the, by the, the youngest on our street. And I think that's the same with me, bar the kids. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the youngest adult. I'm yeah. Sure, well, adult's debatable, but I am the yeah, youngest over school age, yeah. I think. 
Yeah, I think I'm around there as well. And I'm not young. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're supposed to be talking about books, but before we do that, I brought you a present. Oh. Because you said you can't drink. No, at the moment I can't drink. Yeah. Although I don't drink very much anyway. Do you not? No. Yeah. And have you discovered these? They're like crack cocaine. Crack cocaine in a drink. Oh my god, they sound amazing already. M&S, vanilla bean, maple... And do you know what? I don't usually talk about what the guests drink because... I think you should start. Often they don't want it to be known that we're, oh. we've had a couple. Cause sometimes we do. Not often. Um, I can tell. Listeners can tell. Yeah, which ones? Yeah. I have one. I only have one. Uh, unless it was Steve Dearden and then I was absolutely smashed. But um, you don't have to drink it now. Thanks. I'm but gonna, I just thought I'm because I've, I've actually got and some. because it's got maple syrup in it as well. It's got okay. oh, advertising M and S. I'm actually drinking sparkling Florida orange. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is brought to you by M and S. It's very sweet and it's Canadian maple syrup's ace. You, there's like, is there anything you can't put maple syrup on? Do you know I'm I'm the absolute opposite. That's the only thing with maple maple syrup in I like. Well, you're We're like bizarre twins of each other. Kind. I am. I am. I've never really understood it. But that is the first thing I've ever had that makes me made me realize that maple syrup isn't liquid what you poison. What thought thoughts on Margaret Atwood? Hey? What are your thoughts on Margaret Atwood? Oh. Are you attracted to her as you are maple syrup? No, I love Margaret Atwood. <laughs> uh, she is probably second in my eyes as greatest Canadians ever. Who's number one? Leonard Cohen, obviously. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm... I'm not sure about her books, though. I love Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And I love Onyx and Crake. Oryx and Crake. Have you read Cat's Eye? No. Oh, my God, Cat's Eye is amazing. Is it? Yeah. It it makes you... Well, if you were bullied at school, it will remind you of being bullied at school. If you weren't, it won't. But it's that horrible, complete... Not victim mentality, because I hate victim mentality, but it's that whole victimised mentality and how it feels when you know everybody is out to get you and you can't work out why. What's it called? Cat's Eye. Cat's it is about bullying on a grand scale. Is that an old one or is that a new one? Yeah, it's one? quite an old one. Oh, right. I'll, I'll probably like it then. Mm. I think it's interesting, isn't it? There are certain authors. I think I think Margaret Atwood has stayed pretty good, but I've avoided yeah. the Oris and Craig series mm. because I was a bit worried about it. But um, I'm, I quite liked her short story collection that came out and I've just read her graphic novel which I think is brilliant mm-hmm. but then I would because it's about an angel cat bird why would you not love that mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited about the book she's done for Hogarth with the Hag Seed yeah that's the one that they're pimping right now yeah. at, with the literature Everywhere. festival isn't it yeah, yeah. and um, I think she's great I think her early stuff I think there are certain other, she's not one of them actually because I think overall she's really good mm-hmm. although the Robert Bride I've never managed I've tried it three times and I can't do it mm. um, and the Blind Assassin I have a very strong oh I've not that, I've wanted to read that one actually but I've not read it the Blind Assassin yeah I have a very strong connection with that with my grandma because I remember picking it up and it's a mon- it's an absolute beast yeah and I'd only read like 30 pages and my grandma went oh that's the book where it happens isn't it oh thanks grandma I was like oh cheers yeah cheers that's okay. You'll get a bit older and you'll forget. And you go, oh, what's this? I have. Well, no, I've, I then carried on reading it anyway because yeah. I was like, well, I'm not going to put it down just because she said that the ending. Yeah. And it was an amazing book because that's one of those books within a book within a book. Mm. Yeah. I. <laughs> that sounds good. I um, The one time I've read something and then forgot about it and then read it again went, oh, is the, is the road. And that's not even that old. No, that isn't that I read old. that when it first came out and forgot how it finished. And we read it for part of, as part of the M.A., and I was like, oh. That's a good book. I don't remember it. Yeah, it's but up I there think for me. How it finishes, not, and I won't give any no, spoilers. No, I don't. But that's, how it finishes, yeah. how you perceive it says a lot about your personality. Oh, we can spoil it. It's been out for a long time, hasn't it? Can we? If you I want to see I think see, if I you think it carries on, yeah. you're then optimist. you're a very optimistic. But I didn't think it carried if you, on. You think I'm he's a proper <laughs> yeah, right. pessimist. Mm, I, I, do you know what? I'm not usually an optimist, but I. I did think he ca- it carried on. We are opposites. Yeah, it's weird, like bizarro yeah. versions of each other. Maybe someday I'll get as many listeners as you. <laughs> and I'll lose all mine. No, I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, abandon him. Run, uh, run. Yeah. Well, see, I've had some other questions, and you just already answered Sorry. those as well. Jesus. Um, you're going to Garth Greenwell. Did we talk about that already? No. I didn't think we did. Uh, you've interviewed him. I have. What do you think of him? He's lovely, very, 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 not to make you nervous because I know you're interviewing yes. him, but he's very, 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 very intelligent. Smart. I know. 
and I find that can be quite daunting. And not yeah. that all authors are intelligent. Every, anyone who writes is intelligent because you've got to be certain, even if it's not great writing, there's got to be a certain amount of creativity involved and there's got to be a certain amount of self-belief and mm -hmm. discipline and all those things. So I think anyone who writes anything is intelligent. Yeah. He takes it like to an uber He's scale. next level, yeah. yeah. I saw him speak at Edinburgh and um, I remember through almost an accident, I was, I was, the interview was going to happen with me then and um, I didn't really know him that well and then I saw the, his talk at Edinburgh and I was like I'm so <laughs> fucked because I'm not prepared I, I just sent a tweet out and said well I'm going to see Garth Greenwell maybe he'll come on the podcast someday yeah. and he replied to him and said I'd oh, love he's to he's so lovely he's so lovely and like I just that. went oh shit <laughs> I was like, and then he said talk to my agent and I did and she's like um, yeah and I was like oh god this can't happen tonight remember I, I sent you yeah. like, a really panicked text saying please help me with some questions which is really sad to admit I probably shouldn't admit that well no I think I think the thing is having done interview author, I can't speak having done interviews with authors for a long time I can remember early on I thought I could blag it mm -hmm. and I couldn't but I also thought I could do interviews when I read a couple of chapters which you can do mm -hmm. you can't review a book until you've finished it but I think mm -hmm. you can talk to an author about it but now Ironically, just as I'm not going to retire exactly, but I'm mm. just taking a step back from Ooh, that's a big interviewing guy. authors. Ironically, now I would never do it having not read. I, I just don't think. Yep. I think there's too many variables. Do you know what's funny about that? I'm at that exact moment now. And totally. Because I'm. I'm not going to say which one I was kind of made. I, you probably could tell if you listen to the episodes. There's. Well, I'll just say it, Emma Jane Unsworth's book. I didn't read all the way through. I read about the first 20 pages. And I thought, well, Sorry, I'll just read about her. just punched him. Yeah. <laughs> she knows that. I've admitted to her since. Yeah. I've sent an email if afterwards. You, you know, if you, tell, if you tell an author, I don't care. Yeah. No, I didn't tell her on the, on the day. Okay. Um, I just did try to blag it. And uh, to be honest, I was more interested. I, I like to interview the writer and learn about them mm. as people and yeah. kind of get an idea of the book. But I badly misjudged her book in those first 20 pages. Um, and about as soon as I got past this, the sec the first half this is animals I'm talking about I was like holy shit I've I, I listened back to the interview to make sure I wasn't saying anything too stupid and I, there were there are a few things in there which just if you know the book did she have a pint oh, no, no she's, she's pregnant. pregnant so she wouldn't know yeah um, if I was going to say if she'd had a pint she wouldn't notice um, I did an interview with Emma once and it was really mm -hmm. hard because we know each other so that's yeah. really difficult to interview somebody you know and try and yeah. keep it professional so which is sometimes actually can make for a better interview. It's not so professional. Yeah. But I remember asking her, I said, oh, I have to ask this question because, you know, everybody wants to know, is this autobiographical? And she's absolutely furious. She's like, yeah. I am so disappointed in you asking yeah. me that. So I was like, but I have to. But I think... I didn't ask it. It also depends on what the <laughs> audience is because if you're interviewing, say, in front of a live audience and mm -hmm. you're interviewing the author, you have to think not only what did you get out of the book, but also yeah. what are... Joe Bloggs who sat in the audience wanting to get out of the book that they yeah. might not be brave enough to ask yeah. so I was trying half and half it so that I do the questions that I think talk about the themes of the book yeah. or something a little bit more detailed mm -hmm. but then I also ask some of the questions that the audience want to ask so that they feel they can engage and yeah. um, I also threaten that if they don't ask any questions they can't leave ever right. or have any alcohol yeah. and See, that helps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I never asked that question of women uh, female authors really because yeah uh, because they get that question a lot even when the book does, though, I'm not sure men get it as often because uh, I, I had this discussion with Emma actually after the interview and I, I and I think with Jen as well um, that I, I th well according to Emma anyways she thinks that women get asked that a lot because the assumption is they can only write about themselves you see I, t I would I would take Emma on with that one because would I you? think I think everybody gets asked that and I think almost every author is asked that because actually even if it's not about you mm -hmm. it's being channeled by you so there is you in it yeah so it doesn't necessarily mean it's autobiographical but I still think there is you in it and I do think I think everybody I think every author probably gets asked that question because mm. I think it, it's the layman term isn't it it's the mm -hmm. way of somebody who if you've never met an author before or anything you might think they're some kind of rock god or you might think that they're somebody who's super 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 intelligent and mm -hmm. won't click with you or whatever yeah. so you, that is kind of one of the go-to questions yeah i'm definitely asking garth that question because you know uh, an american english teacher goes to bulgaria gay like i mean how can you not ask that question of him it, and it must be don't tell me because i know you probably asked him that question <laughs> i don't want to know the answer gonna, i was gonna make a joke yeah. out of it okay go on then <laughs> i was just gonna say just don't ask him if he had lots of sex with prostitutes. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, obviously not that bit. 
<laughs> to be fair, though, that was the thing, though. Like when I was hey, ask him, he might give you a very interesting. Do you know answer. what? I in Edinburgh. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this because he'll probably talk about it tonight at your show. But he was very open about the whole cruising thing. Yeah. And it didn't seem like I, I didn't come away from that thinking he didn't. No. He does. I don't think he really sees it as like sex work at all. I think he sees it as that's. Yeah, I think kind I think of uh, what that's what people what do kind to of being yeah. Well, not even only that, but that it's almost a, a gay thing to do. Maybe. That's the kind of the, the you know, that's just what... How it is in Bulgaria. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just, not just Bulgaria, but that's what cruising is. I don't know if cruising... I think now that there's apps and stuff, I don't See, think but cruising that's, really this exists. Is, that's right. But that's, this is pre-app. Yeah. Well, also, I don't know how appy, <laughs> appy Bulgaria is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's, an, that's a really interesting one. I'm, I'm asking ask, him I'm that question. Him no, don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't, Someone I will, anyway. Know. It'll come up. I don't know if they would because, well, yeah, they might. I'll, I'll message you if they do. Yeah. See, I've kind of ruined the question because I've already told the listeners the answer that he gave in Edinburgh, didn't I? It doesn't matter. I'll ask him anyway. No, but ask him because he might give you a different answer and then it's already interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's the type to... I think he, he, he knows what he's saying. I doubt very much he'd, he'd change his answers about things. I don't know. I think, I think that's always been the big one for me that, that if I know an author and if he's going really, really well... There's yeah. one sentence that they'll either say, I've never been asked that before, mm-hmm. or my favourite one is, I never thought of my book like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in a kind you know of you've done well if you get that one back. You say, yeah. But then they were, oh my goodness, I've never thought of my book like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think who I was talking about it to, and it was about how cyclical their book was. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, oh, I've never even noticed it. I was <laughs> like, boom, that's made me happy. Because yeah. was, in fact, it was Charlotte Wood, he wrote a book called The Natural Way of Things, which is one of my favourite books of this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and last year, I read it last year, but it came out this year. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, two women who wake up in cells and they have no idea where they're there. They know they've been drugged and they get taken through and their heads are shaved and then they join other women. And it's all about women who have announced a sexual scandal or f- or had a politician or someone famous put in trouble for mm-hmm. a sexual scandal. And then you start to find out their stories and why they're there and what's happening. And it's a brilliant book, but I, I remember feeling really chuffed at mm-hmm. the end that this author whose book I'd respected so much so I said I, I've not spotted that that's right yeah. and I was like thank you I bet that doesn't happen does it happen often don't tell me it does because then I'll just feel shit about no it doesn't happen it. often it happens maybe what, one in three that's often mm, <laughs> but also I'm quite lucky in the fact that sometimes I'll be one of the early people to interview them so they yeah. haven't asked many questions oh before. right yeah. so that helps yeah and plus you read all the books no do you know what that's normally true but I have had a book funk for about a month and a half. So I haven't, in September, I think I've read three books. And this month, I've just started a book. Mm. So I'm really, I'm not in a great place reading-wise at the oh, moment. But I think right. it's just because moving house, all that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. quite quite a busy time. My job is really busy. Mm-hmm. My new job is kind of busy. So, yeah. How come a person that gets that many listeners on a podcast has to have a day job? Can you not get sponsorship and stuff? Uh, well, I've always been really anti-sponsorship because I got offered the blog to be sponsored. So that's how mm-hmm. I started. So I started with Savage Reads the blog, yep. which was just me keeping a diary of what I was reading and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And that's still going, although many people probably think it isn't because it's gone very, very quiet. But mm-hmm. it will be coming back probably in the next couple of weeks. That's my favorite thing you do. The blog. Yep. And it's the thing I do least. I know. It's brilliant. <laughs> really? I love it. Yeah. It's just me typing I know. a review. But it is no, 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 no. Sorry, not the blog. I meant the, the book blog. blog. The vlog. The Sorry. Blog. All these different terms. I know. So, but I started off with the blog, right? Okay. And that that gets about eighty thousand a month. Yeah. So that's doing really nicely. Despite the fact you don't update it, it still gets the same. It's really irritating. That's weird. It gets like a little. There'll be a not a little. There'll be a peak when <laughs> I start doing it again. Yeah. But it did annoy me that it just sort of doesn't. Well, it does drop, but it doesn't drop massively. But that said, I'm not obsessed with figures I do check on that every so often just to see am I doing as well as I did last year mm-hmm. I just think that's healthy <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, so there's that and I started off with that um, and then I moved on to the podcast and then most recently it's been the booktube stuff mm-hmm. and the booktube stuff's really interesting it's a whole new world yeah how many uh, watchers do you ha- or uh, viewers do you have to have before you're a YouTube sensation oh I think you've got to be in your th- uh, tens of thousands yeah I think you have to and I think what's interesting is so many people me joining booktube was something I tried in 2013 I didn't think it worked so I stopped Mm -hmm. and then and actually that happened with the blog as well because initially I did the blog and then nothing happened and then I stopped but then I came Mm -hmm. back and I think it's one of those things where I think people think you start it and you just get 70,000 
you know, viewers, and it so isn't like that. And I mean, I'm aware that I've been quite lucky. I've been talking to Jen Campbell, who's one of my favourite uh, book vloggers and also one of my mates. Mm-hmm. And then I was having a chat with her about. It. I was like, I'm not sure. Should I go there because? I already do a blog and I already do a podcast and is that too much? I'm mm-hmm. on Twitter. Am I just kind of an, is it is it becoming a brand thing, which is not yeah. what I really wanted. I wanted to just be chatting about books. And she's like, just do it and see how it goes. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. But she was saying the other day um, that it's really interesting. She's not seen a, a booktube channel do pick up like that has, but I think yeah. it's because I already had the base elsewhere. I'm not sure that's true. I think uh, I think it's better than most because it's and this is not this is shining sunshine up your ass. But uh, it's right, I'll just walk out. I won't be able to leave because <laughs> yeah. my head won't fit through the door. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of uh, book vloggers and bloggers don't get that it's about the person writing more than it is about the books. And I, I think, think it's the same with podcasts as well. I, don't, I, think, I think when people fail when they do these sorts of things is they make it all about the book. And I mean, it is about the book. But I mean, if, it's, if, if you're not you know, engaging and fun to watch... And, yeah, you know, talking about your cats and <laughs> well, also, <I laughs> or whatever you know. I left in. An, I, I initially didn't edit it because I wanted people to be like, "That's a real person talking about real stuff." Yeah, AKA books, not real stuff. As in, I wasn't. Although I did get political every so often, but mm. and, and now I've started to edit it not because I don't want to have all the stuff in, partly because I just talk too much, mm-hmm. but also because if I edit it in a certain way, it actually highlights me fucking up. And yeah. I think that's quite nice to listen to. Yeah, to and watch. I think and I think you when you do an edit for comic effect, it's n- it never stops being funny. Like it, I, I not for me anyway. I love it. I have occasionally, and I have worried myself. <laughs> I have occasionally given myself the giggles out myself, and I don't think that's no, that's not healthy. good. That's bad. <laughs> that's you don't want to find yourself I can't hilarious. What it was that I did, and I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. And I was yeah. like, but that's me. That's actually embarrassing. I shouldn't be laughing at myself that much. But yeah. I was almost in oh. tears at yeah. myself. I think a, a, a healthy dose of self hate. Oh no, there's, there's <laughs> way more than that. Like I'll be sat there thinking, why did I wear that? Yeah. Why did I, you know, I, I did one. I'm editing one at the moment, and I'm like, why on earth did you think that that top flatters you in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> you can't really see your neck. You look like a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, I have a lot of, but I think I have that all the time. So I, I, every review I write could be better. Every interview I do could be better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I think the other thing as well is there's a certain point where I want stuff to stay fun. And one of the reasons that I gave up You Wrote the Book, which is another podcast I did, was because interviewing authors had stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. And it, well, why? I'm going out with a bang, I think, because I'm doing the man book next week. Yeah. But I think. Why did it stop being fun? It started to feel like homework. And I started mm. to feel like I was doing it for the audience rather yeah. than for me. And initially, it was authors that I loved the books, so I'd interview yeah. them. And then I started to get asked, would you interview X? Y and Z in yep. return for interviewing yeah. X, Y and Z. And I was like, no, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And yeah. I think you can tell if somebody isn't engaged with the person that they're interviewing or the work they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And then with a, with taking on Booktube and then taking on Orion, I suddenly thought, hang on, now, something's got to give somewhere. Which is the bit that doesn't feel like fun? And that's the bit that doesn't feel like fun. Mm. I've been like that with day jobs, though. If it doesn't yeah. feel like fun, I'm stop. And I know work shouldn't always be ha-ha hilarious. Yeah. But you should love and enjoy what you're doing. And mm. if I don't, I tend to quit. Yeah, see, I, I've, I've just got myself into a nice... I shouldn't say this, actually. But um, where I've done something for it so long that I can almost do it in my sleep. Yeah. Which is... It's so handy if nice you're doing... That. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, I'm not saying that I, I'm tired of it, because I'm not. It's just, you know, it, I, that saves brain power for after work doing mm. this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and for doing the MA and things like that. And I think if you if you get those sorts of things, and I mean, it pays well, and it's in a w- really good environment, yeah. and my workmates are fantastic. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, my day job is I work for the city of Liverpool, mm-hmm. and I lead with their media partnerships, and I lead with some of their major events. And that is a mammoth job. And actually, particularly in the last month, since my boss has come back on maternity leave, I'm getting so many more big meaty projects mm-hmm. and I'm starting to already feel like hang on a minute something else is going to have to give mm-hmm. because whilst I'm doing the stuff for Orion on the side and that's me being a consultant and that's mm-hmm. fine it, and it's totally different from my other job there's only so many hours in a day and a lot of people have said to me how do you find the time to do X, Y and Z mm-hmm. and I honestly think it's it's about scheduling and sometimes I even to the point where I'll schedule reading and that again mm-hmm. was becoming not fun so yeah. I'm trying to what was the thing you did for Orion? So Orion is only just started, really, and I'm doing it over the next t- two years at the moment, and that is called Hometown Tales, and I'm the editor, 
editorial consultant for this series, which is looking at unpublished... Well, first of all, getting well-known authors to write about their hometown mm-hmm. and then getting unpublished, unknown writers to write about the same hometown and they'll be published in one book. So you'll have, say... I'm trying to think of an author that we might have. But it, say it was Val McDermott or Ian McEwan or somebody yep. writing about Edinburgh, you would flip the book over and there'll also be somebody unknown writing oh, about right. Edinburgh. And this is about us trying to... There's been so much talk about diversity in publishing and I think most of it, 80% of it, is bang on and true. Mm-hmm. But I think we're kind of always looking for one specific diverse group to get the most noticed. I don't always think that's the best way to do it. What I've wanted to do with this project was let's look at cultural diversity and let's look at the whole geographical diversity at the same time because by default in going to certain cities in England you're going to get voices that are certain diverse groups Mm -hmm. and that's the aim. Do you know what you need more of? White Canadian men. (laughs) Yeah we do. We've not got enough. (laughs) White men they don't get a... Yeah white men. Well that's what was interesting when when we announced it I did get a bit of white man hate you know who do you think you are and I was like well Mm. not being funny I was brought up in a very working class family my mum had me when she was 16 she took me to university with a single parent Mm -hmm. and also gay card came out I was like Mm -hmm. and I'm gay so I can talk about that but a lot of my friends are from all sorts of walks of life who you know would never think their stories were interesting enough to be published but I think some of their stories are fascinating none of those are being published I should say I'm not publishing my mates but Mm -hmm. I think there are so many people out there that have got amazing stories my mum was hilarious when when I told my mum my my grand and my mum were both massive book lovers Mm -hmm. my mum was like well I've been writing short Mm. stories for years I was like well take them somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) I don't want them (laughs) (laughs) thanks but no thanks grandma (laughs) (laughs) oh man have you this is a bit of a shit question. I like a shit question. Go for it. Oh, no, that's a uh, shit speaking question. of my mother again, okay. there's never, my mum said this, and she's a teacher of English literature and is mm-hmm. always furious that I hate English literature so much at school, mm-hmm. especially seeing as she taught at the same school. Yeah. But um, she always says there's never a stupid question. Yeah, there is. No, there isn't. Okay, would you like to hear the stupid question? What's the most surreal experience you've had with a big name writer? Why have I even written that no, that's down? Really, I think that's quite interesting. Do you? Yeah, that is quite interesting. I'm just reading I've it back ne- to myself. It's, I've never been asked that before. I feel like, hey. I really haven't. I genuinely haven't. I feel like um, an absolute knob no, asking I've, that. No, okay, go on. I've got that question. Most surreal. One of the most surreal moments I've had is when I was at a party and Evie Wilde was there and I'd just read her book and I thought it was amazing. And I was looking at her and I was, and then she came to me and she went, you savage dreams? No like, way! Yes. But this was first book. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's happened at a couple of events where somebody comes over and it's like they know your blog, and that's, that's quite up. weird. That is, yeah. that's seriously screwed up. That's quite surreal, but not yeah. that, not that many surreal things. About it. It's more just if you suddenly find that you really gel with an author you didn't expect to. Or mm. actually, the worst ones when you meet an author whose book you absolutely loved and they turn out to be a knobhead. Yeah, that happens quite often, and. Not quite often, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hard. Oh, the other most surreal thing was I met Marlon James and I literally physically couldn't speak because really? I was just like, oh my God, I think I might be in love. And that was it. And I just <laughs> yeah. had to leave it like that. I couldn't yeah. quite cope with him. Um, <laughs> but I think because I used to do, I used to work for a, a magazine so I, and I did their showbiz column, so I used to get to meet a lot of pop starry people. Oh, yeah. I've never been stage struck by authors. I more just have sort of really random moments. Actually, another one, another good one is where mm. me and Val McDermott, after an event, she couldn't find her car, and I felt like I was in a crime novel with Val McDermott. Whoa. That was a good surreal <laughs> That's quite good. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good question. Okay. Good. See, my mum's right. My mum will listen to this and say, see, I was right. That's yeah. never a bad question. Yeah. Um, do you have any... I think I already know the answer to this question as well, but um, do you write at all? I did. Yeah. And I do occasionally, but I think, and I've been having this conversation quite a lot recently, mm. I think some people are born to be readers and some people are born to be writers, and I think I'm born to be a reader. I think, I slightly disagree with that. I, I think, think people are, some people are both, because obviously yeah. if you want to write, you need to read yeah. a lot. But I, I think, think you have to be both if you want to be a writer. Yeah, all right then. You can't, you can't right, be a writer. Some ri- people are born to be readers, and yeah. some people are born to be readers and writers. Yeah, I think that's probably right. It's, a, it's not as good an anecdote, though, is it? No, so I'm just <laughs> pissed all over that yeah. one. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I don't <coughs> think I have d- dabbled, but I've never thought of doing anything with it. Mm. But then I, I suppose with my blog, I write all the time, so... Yeah. Well, I don't, because I'm not doing it. <laughs> but when I do, You're giving I that do write up, a lot, but yeah. that's not fiction, so... Yeah. Um, 
do you want to talk to me? I think you mentioned it in passing, but you manage the LGBT Book Award. I do. What is it? How does one enter? And is it op- is it open to the public? What is it? So the Green Connection Prize is something that I started about oh, right, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Seven years ago. It's on hiatus this year, but it's coming back later this year. It normally happens from April to December. Mm-hmm. And this year we haven't done it, we're changing it. So it'll happen from November to April, I think, to mm-hmm. cover the last year. And it was started because, I can't remember why, but Paul Mars, who is an author that I, I love and I, when I lived in Manchester, knew him really well. And mm-hmm. But this was actually before I moved to Manchester. But me and him had got a friendship going. I'd interviewed him a few times and hung out with him. And he's just a really, really lovely guy. And he'd outragedly said, why are there so few LGBT men, mm-hmm. particularly in this case, on not who get missed off book prizes and I think there'd been that year with the book of some conversation about one of the author's novels being too explicitly gay and therefore it had been kicked out by one of the judges Oh, um, and it was a whole big hoo-ha anyway so that came up uh. and we thought it'd be funny on, and this is thanks to Twitter just randomly to do an award called the Man Fucker Award <laughs> yeah. so we thought that would be hilarious <laughs> yeah. sure enough Man Booker went in touch and said, if you don't change the name of that, we're actually going to sue you. And it was like, okay, we'll change the name. Yeah. So we started, we called it the Green Carnation because that's what Oscar Wilde used to have in his lapel. Oh, right. And it was a sign to other people to say that he was gay. Yeah. So the first year it was just gay men, and then the second year it opened up to LGBT full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then we've done more of that. So it's been running quite well. It's been in partnership with Foils. We're just debating that at the moment. As in, we're just not debating it, we're renegotiating that deal mm-hmm. at the moment. And uh, yeah, so I co founded it. I now co-run it with the lovely Maura who works in book PR and is fantastic and mm. I think he's ace and foils and it's great yeah um, and it's brilliant it's particularly brilliant because after the year three I didn't have to read all the books anymore because when you get sent as many books as yeah. the judges for it get yeah and that's what's a good sign they get sent about 120 books every year mm-hmm. which shows that publishers are publishing LGBT work yeah I'm st- I've just started getting books sent to me for this little podcast get ready because it starts off with a trickle yeah and now it's like I get 30 a week 40 I a week oh I, I'm nowhere near that but no but you will do give it time I get books that um, I, I can't remember the last time I bought a book to read for myself it's been months oh you see now I do it all the time I, yeah. I've got an addiction I have a problem yeah I definitely have a problem because well that's obvious and I think people have seen <laughs> thank you yeah. I think people have seen that but if they've seen me on booktube they'll see it because I'll be like and here's the 10 books like that's yeah. British, but here's the 15 that I bought yeah um, and I think it's just because I don't like I said I don't really drink yeah I don't have a car that I need to spend money on any of that so yeah. for me books are my don't really treat. drink yeah see that's how we differ again I used to that's the problem yeah I used to be a binge drinker. Mm. Those days are gone. Right. Yeah. So the the sugar bear Twitter feed is dead. <laughs> it's not dead. It's more... See, that's Kerry Hudson's fault. She called me that, and I don't know why. It, probably because I like sugar more than anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, sugar bear. Yeah, bless him. Yeah, I followed it for a couple of minutes, and then there was no tweet, so I unfollowed it. I think that's probably happened with a lot of people. I did yeah. the other day say, should I kill it? Yeah. And I can't quite decide if I should kill sugar bear or not. Also, I think... He used to tweet a lot about the X Factor, and I've given up on the X Factor. I've I'd never understood why I'm that's just a strictly. good show. Yeah, I'm strictly, well, strictly. Common ground. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, you like Garth Greenwell's book? I do. And I've, I love Garth Greenwell's book. That's yeah. Common ground. Yeah. Um, love and Jane Unsworth's book. Love yeah. Jen Ashworth's book. Yeah. Which I've got a thing for Northern female writers. Yeah. Well then, Not Emma. Thing, I was going to say. Reading. Well, Emma and Jen. Obviously, is a good place yeah. to start. I think Karis Bray is brilliant as well. I've, I've not read her books. I've, s- I've spoken to her on. Have I spoken? Yeah, I've spoken to her on Twitter every now and again. I think when I did um, Emma and Jen's podcasts, just had a chat back and forth with her. Uh, she's Southport. She's great. Oh, right. Yeah, there's some great. And then Caroline Smales is Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And now Caroline Wallace, depending on which books out yeah so that i think there is some really really great i'm trying to think of more because there are loads and i'm mm-hmm. like going to be kicking myself like, like oh why don't i mention x y and z yeah. there are loads of fantastic North i think you yeah yeah i think we've got loads of book recommendations which is fantastic i didn't even know i didn't even ask you no that's true yeah that's true well i think that's kind of my not my job it's not my job but it's become my hobby yeah to bore people with what books they should read yeah but there's nothing better than knowing somebody's picked up a book that I said they should read and they go away and they absolutely love it yeah that's that's like the which I can't remember which one you told me to read or did There'll you there'll be loads I probably right I'll tell you my top, was. I'll tell you my the books I like 
and then see if you can. I, I, I know you tr you, you've tried to do this on vintage and it never works. <laughs> nah, it never works. <laughs> Clockwork Orange yeah. is up there. Probably my favorite book. The Road is up there. Mm -hmm. These are two pretty grim bro books, I realize. Uh, I quite like Money, Martin Amos. Mm. Uh, I just suddenly realized they're quite manly books, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I'll say Handmaid's Tale, because that, that's up there. Okay. As well. And you're asking for a recommendation based on that? Yeah. I would say <laughs> try. Is it some kind of. Something new, because I never ever read new books unless they're sent to me. Karen Thompson Walker wrote a book called either Some Kind of Miracle or something like that. Okay. And it's about the earth slowing. That sounds brilliant. And it's so good. That sounds brilliant. Um, I think that's a good place to. End, actually, we've been talking Thanks for six for having me No, on. thank you so much for coming on. Sorry, I took a load. Of, I probably took a load of waffle. That's fine. That happens a lot. That's all right. Um, can you do me a favor when you go? I just thought of a question that you should ask tonight. Go on. Ask Andrew McMillan why he hates cyclists and Jeremy Corbyn so much. Ooh, no, don't ask him that. Don't dare. <laughs> no, don't you dare. Honestly, he'll he'll kill you. <laughs> I, I think I, what I'd like doing, and this is bad, is when I go to an event with an author. Yeah. If I'm not hosting it, I don't ask any questions. I just enjoy the whole event. Yeah. And then I get frustrated when I'm hosting an event with an author when nobody asks a question. Yeah. And then you've got to be that guy that, oh, I guess I'll ask the yeah. questions. Uh, well, the, my advice is also to put people in the audience, but don't make it your mum. At the last event I did, I'd asked Aon Ivy some what I thought were really good questions. Yeah. And then I had basically said to mum, please ask the first question, get yeah. her on going. So I was like, oh, who would like to put it? And I was like, oh, yes, the lady in the orange top. And she asked a question that floored every single fucking question I asked, and I was furious. <laughs> yeah. This is the woman that says there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah, but then asked some of the most brilliant questions you yeah. can imagine. Yeah, She deserves her own podcast. Yeah. It probably should well, actually. No, no, she shouldn't. She we don't need any more. Maybe I'll get her yeah. to be around. I'll get her to carry on. Give me a savage fish. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great, right? How nice is he? I, if you, I'm sure you've already seen his vlog, so you have kind of had an idea of how nice he is. But if you haven't, I'm going to stop saying nice. Such a shit compliment. Um, I doubt Andrew McMillan is listening, but uh, if so, dude, I totally get why you don't like Corbin now. Um, the cyclist hating stuff, I would say, still has to go. But wow, Corbin. Anyway, I'm still, oh, I still really want to like him. Maybe he'll do something that will bring me back around. Uh, you know what would have been a good idea? Actually reading the book Simon recommended and talking about it now. But I haven't. I'm still reading the same book I was when I interviewed Simon a month ago. I moved here from Canada, so they think I'm slow, eh? Yes, I realize, again, that this is the umpteenth podcast where Garth Greenwell has come up, and we haven't even gotten to his interview yet. Uh, I should just call this podcast the Garth Greenwell Hour. As you've just heard, we talked about whether or not interviewers should ask writers uh, whether or not their works of fiction are autobiographical. And after I finished talking to Simon, he went and saw Garth's show, uh, show his talk about his book. And in the talk, he and Andrew McMillan chatted about how their works of fiction are autobiographical. And he said, Simon said, oh, they had a really interesting chat, so really make sure you ask him about that. So I did. And it well and truly blew up in my face. So <laughs> I'm just going to stick to my rule of not asking writers that question. And uh, I tell you what, if you are a book person, if you're in the book industry or the literature scene at all, and you find yourself interviewing, about to interview Garth, uh, you need to bring your A-game, man. He is a force, and I get pretty steamrolled in our interview. Later this month, his will come out. His will be next, and I promise you, I will be less crotchety in that intro. Well, who knows? Maybe Alan Sugar will be made Prime Minister. You know, what else could happen? <laughs> uh, I also spoke to Kit Duvall. Is, I, you know what? I spoke to her, and I never really asked if it's Kit Duvall or Kit Duvall, but um, last week, and wow, she's amazing. She gives some really great writing advice some really great advice, you know, the best advice you can imagine. I'm never going to say really great again. I can't. That man has ruined it for me. Uh, anyway, that one comes out the beginning of December, and then I guess after that, I go back to chasing writers who, you know, 
live around here. What a concept. Just the second, and this is, I'm not making this up. I took a photo just in case people wouldn't believe me, but a, an orange cat and a black cat were scratching six shades of shit out of each other outside. And it was broken up by a couple of kids. And I thought, huh, it's a proper uh, allegory for what's happening in the world right now. Maybe there is hope for the youth to save us all, but I doubt it. Bye. <laughs>